This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. We've got Bill Goldberg on the phone with us again. And, of course, our buddy Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. He's in the studio with us. How are you guys? I'm good, thank you. Good. So uh, uh, before we get started, I want to tell you about GEICO. And, of course, uh, you want to save some money on car insurance, go to GEICO.com. And uh, Dodge, hurry into the Dodge President's Day event for a great deal on Dodge all-wheel drive lineup. And of course, CarCast. CarCast is uh, is brought to you by Zybar for better engine performance, horsepower, fuel economy, and lower underhood temperatures. Zybar is an ultra thin, high temperature coating that reduces radiant heat by ninety percent. So put Zybar on, take heat off. You can learn more at zycoat.com. Zycoat, you know, is the company. Zybar is the product. Check them out at zycoat.com. Uh, all right. So, Bill, I appreciate you calling in. I know you got a busy schedule going on. You are literally on set right now uh, filming new episodes of NCIS Los Angeles, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it couldn't be any more fulfilling. I just killed three guys. You know, <laughs> it's just wonderful. Everybody should do that before lunch. <laughs> right. Um, sounds fantastic. <laughs> Looking forward to it. We loved your other episodes. And uh, I like, you know what? You know what I like about you, Bill? You're a hustler. You're always on the I'm a move. hustler, man. You're a you hustler. Know, you like it, to work. It, 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 you gotta be, right? Right. You like to work. You know, I... <laughs> well, I, like I don't that. know about that. I mean, you know, I... I <laughs> you do what you gotta I, do. I like to support my car habit, you yeah, know, and my right. wife's horse habit. That's so, right. Uh, Dodge is coming out with a new car, obviously, here soon, <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I gotta start working for it. Got to start working for it. Um, quick update on uh, on your rides because um, we might have very limited time with you. Anybody can bang on your door and say they need you any minute. So let's just get a quick update on uh, what's what's been happening. Uh, we missed you, I think, last week as well. You were uh, you were traveling a bit as well. Um, you were traveling, uh, I think, heading to Atlanta or something like that. Um, what's uh, any any uh, any updates on your rides? Oh, golly gee. Well, you know, um, thanks to you and the Expel guys, uh, this week, Expel will be picking my uh, red eye up, the Dodge red eye, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, doing a little bit of uh, clear bra protection with the ceramic coat on top of it and a little tint action. Nice. Actually, a tint that uh, saves your skin. Um, and not, not just there for your looks, but, uh, you know, I'm going to try their product out, man. I've seen and heard great things about it. We had him on the show and he sold me on it and, uh, let's see what we can do. Let's have some fun. Yeah. So we, we, we liked those guys. They were very interesting. So, uh, how much are you covering? Are you doing all of the car? 
I'm covering the entire car. So, um, and they recommended yeah. you use their main product, which is a high gloss on all the painted surfaces. The glossy, the the uh, hold on here, triple nickel paint. <laughs> but then they yeah. have a satin bra wrap, like a clear bra satin on the on the flat black hood and roof and trunk, right? Yeah, and you know what? It doesn't do anything but accentuate the look. Mm-hmm. And I suggest to anyone and everyone out there with that type of paint on their car, do yourself some some uh, some good and uh, take your uh, elbow grease out of it and wrap the damn thing. Yeah, and it'll be a lot easier to take care of. Plus, it'll protect its it, you know protect the covering. I mean, it's 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 kind of a no brainer. Um, I haven't had these kind of panels before. Mm-hmm. I haven't dealt with the fingerprints and all that kind of stuff on them. And now I'm seeing the uh, advantage to uh, wrapping them because it is a pain in the ass. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna look. Uh, it's gonna look awesome. And like we were saying with those guys, that that technology has already come a long way. That it's really tough to notice a wrap like a good quality, uh, a clear bra. Yeah, you know it's tough to notice it now because they polish up really pretty nicely now. And and anyway, so awesome, man. So that's uh, uh that's gonna be good. Um, let's see what else we got going. We got a lot that's of stuff to talk we about. Got, uh, you know, our, our buddies at Hellion were were awesome and mm-hmm. helped me pick up my '69 Blazer that has been out in the middle of a desert for the last three years, basically. Yeah, and uh, it is sitting at the house in front of the garage with the uh, three fifty uh, sitting in the trunk. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's in need of a complete restoration. So we'll be figuring out where and the when that thing will be taking off. And I think we may be getting the the uh, skinny tire car back from uh, from Mooresville here soon. I am uh, maybe going a different route as opposed to the Hellfront motor which I don't know if they've gotten their controller yet. I, I think I'm going to give our boys at Hellion a phone call and uh, see if they want a twin turbo this some bitch. Yeah. Have some fun. Because why not? I mean, twin turbo, the Hellcat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I always thought it lacked power. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, why not? Why not? Okay. And, and before I forget, since yeah. I did do NCIS, uh, since I'm doing it today and the rest of the week, and we all know through these conversations, I usually commute. Yeah. I had an absolutely death-defying drive this morning <laughs> oh, in the sure. middle of the rain with my semi-drag radials on the back of my, of my charger. And I'm, I'm going I'm to hang up this phone, and I'm going to get a hotel room, and I ain't putting myself through that again. Oh, no. I, gotta tell you. I, don't, I don't know why you drove that up here. Because uh, actually, based on, uh, I think, some of Alistair's advice, you picked up the Range Rover. Yeah, did yeah, you buy and, that in the end, and, and end bill? in-laws are in town, oh, and they're going to drive around in the Range Rover for the next three days. But I can't have it up here. I can't be selfish. You know, I, <laughs> you know I'll just die in the process, but it's, I was actually just going to rent a car. You know? It's yeah. good for the throttle control, though. It's good to... You yeah, know. you really got to feather it. Oh, speaking of feathering the throttle, I think next week uh, we're going to have our friend Leah Pritchett back in the studio. So we're going to talk some drag racing. Right. Uh, uh, as well, so uh, and listen, dude, don't don't give me any shit because I'll probably show up in the studio for that. Yeah. And don't think, even though Leah's a beautiful girl, it's because of that. Okay, it's 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 scheduling. 
I, I may have something next week to shoot for Dodge up in LA. So you didn't you didn't turn up for me though, Bill. To be fair, yeah, that's to be fair. <laughs> oh well, you know what? I, I'm working today, so it was. Nice. <laughs> but Alistair, you know how much I greatly appreciate uh, having you there mentally and visually. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh man, I, I I hate to complain about the rain out here because so many. Uh, other places in this country are getting devastating freezing cold. Um, but you're right. This is our, our bad day is, is you're having a hard time driving your drag radials uh, from, yeah. from, from Southern California to LA. It's <laughs> moronic when you listen to it. And when I utter it, but yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. Everything's relative. Yeah. Well, my, my parents know, it's not are something we deal with all the time, man. And, and it's not, it, it's the hydroplaning that just, Mm-hmm. makes your butt pucker i mean i i aged <laughs> at least seven years on the on the drive up this morning at three thirty. so yeah um yeah never again yeah my parents are over here from the uk and i've spent the last year sort of selling california as the place where the sun always shines <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they arrived it's been like a kind of wet spring day in the yeah, uk it's for a terrible week. right it's just been terrible um, so that's right. who we can blame for the rain. They yeah. brought it here. They brought it with them. But I'm taking one for the team and going to the Chicago Auto Show tomorrow when it will be uh, minus a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we got some stuff we're going to try to get into. We want to recap uh, uh, CES, um, maybe a little bit of Detroit Auto Show. You mentioned a '69 Blazer. Well, Chevy's got a new Blazer that uh, Alistair's already driven. Um, before we uh, before we kick that off, I'm going to tell you guys about Geico. You've heard this before. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off dry cleaning. You pick up some milk. And now you can add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Check out Geico.com. All right, CES. It's again, we've had this conversation about how more and more car companies are starting to debut cars at different events, things like Rensport and Goodwood and and you know, Monterey Car Week and even E3 and certainly over the years CES has been a big place to maybe not debut a car, which they do, but debut an entire technology that's going to help lead the sales of cars. Uh, I remember, um, I think uh, it was 2014, Adam and I did uh, CarCast Live in the Ford booth to talk about Ford Sync and some of the technology they were doing back then. So, uh, Alistair, what did you see at uh, at CES? Well, you're right, Matt. It's kind of it, – it's an interesting show because it's really all about TVs and cameras and everything else. And in the yeah. middle of all this, you've got the automakers not quite sure what to do with it. Do they debut – I mean, Hyundai showed off the Elevate, which was this crazy kind of cross between a robot and a car that can – that has a little electric motor in each wheel and then it can pick itself up and scramble over – over objects, and we actually gave it one of our um, Edmunds Tech Driven Awards, which we were we were handing out. I show. saw it. It looked like it was supposed to be like like you know travel on the moon or Mars, yeah. or it looked like some sort of space vehicle. And it looked like a kind of modern interpretation of the moon buggy. Yeah, but it, but it was cool technology, and 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 there was some good thinking behind it. And then on the other hand, you have manufacturers like Mercedes had the new CLA there, which was kind of like a conventional car launch. 
Um, the other one that caught our eye is Byton, which is a Chinese electric car brand, but actually all the engineering and design has been done here in California. Byton, like B-Y-T-O-N. And the people behind it are actually, some of it's Faraday Future, which obviously went 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 under, but also a lot of the engineering and know-how is ex-BMW. So the, the CEO was Carson Brightfoot, who was actually uh, did gave the world the BMW i8. Oh, so there's okay. a lot of know-how behind it. There's big, big screens inside, and it's a, it's a real Tesla rival. And and this thing's coming in. Well, we're going to see a production version later this year. And of all the new electric ma- um, manufacturers out there, well, probably Byton followed by Rivian are the ones to to watch. Why why are we starting to see startup car companies get into the electric space like that? It's so expensive. To, to, to create a car company. I mean, we've seen what Fisker tried to do. We've seen the amount of cash that a Tesla can go through. Like, why do a startup? Why do a Byton? Why do a Rivian? Why, why, why do that as opposed to, I don't know, like... I, I, Make I, a hairdryer or something. Do something yeah, simple. Or, yeah, you know, or, 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 or if you're trying to... If you have some element that you think is super inventive, why not try to take that around to some of the existing companies or some of the existing partners of the big companies, you know, like a Magna or, or you know, yeah. somebody who's making the parts for them? Why not go to those guys and go, I've got some great technology and maybe my little company can, can develop this? You know, why, why build a whole car company and why not just focus on a piece of the technology? Like if you've got really great – you know, a drive system or a battery or a charging system. Like, why not just focus on that? Why have to build a car company from scratch? It seems like a lot of work. Well, I hear what you're saying, but I think for the first time, I mean, if you think about it, since, you know, the gasoline engine overtook the steam car in around kind of 1900 and something, this is the first time in 120 years that we've actually seen a kind of paradigm shift that we're actually now looking at different propulsion systems, the world's turning electric, mm-hmm. autonomy is on the way. And producing an electric car is so much more simple than producing a, a gas car and everything that goes with it, building engine. And if you look at what Byton are actually doing, when you break down the components, they're effectively going into a a kind of hype, you know, supermarket and picking things off the shelf. So Bosch are, Bosch are heavily involved with it. You look at the brakes, you'll recognize it, you'll recognize different brands there. So they're not it's not like they're starting from scratch and doing it all themselves. What they're doing is is going into the market and saying, well, we'll have, you know, we'll 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 go to Brembo for the brakes, we'll go to Bosch for this, we'll go for this for the battery, we'll go to Michelin for tires. Um, I'm making brands up, but you get my you get my drift. Yeah. So effectively, what they're doing is hiring people with experience, like from BMW, and they're going into the market and saying, right, we'll have this, this, and this. So all that Byton is actually doing is a bit of styling, some brand work, and then building the infrastructure to make and sell these things. So it's still a huge undertaking, don't get me wrong, but it is so much easier in the world of electric cars to start a brand from scratch than it was 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, but you have to add uh, uh, government regulations and crash testing and airbags and you're right they can get airbags from yeah. somebody else not Takata but somebody <laughs> and uh, uh, and then and then you know dealer network and warranties and parts and service and it's like what about all the after sale stuff for sure I mean we've seen from from Tesla how how they've struggled yeah. um, 
But you know, because those cars of, break all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and all the warranty and everything else. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of money in China. You know, Biden is China Chinese financed. Rivian has a lot of money from the Saudis, and they're not short of cash either, despite all the yeah the recent uh, political kerfuffles over there. So. There's a lot of people with a lot of money saying, actually, we can get into the market at a really pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say looking at Ford, I mean, Ford is behind the curve on the electric uh, electric vehicles, you know, look at, looking at a lot of the established players and saying, you know, they've got massive infrastructure costs. They've got, think about all the, the healthcare and everything else that goes with being, with being a Ford or a GM, saying, actually, we're lean, we're agile, we can start from scratch. It's a big, big opportunity for them. And, and I hear your point, but if you've got cash in the bank yeah. and you can ride out those first few years, there's a, there's a huge opportunity. Bill, a question for you. What's it going to take to get you to consider an electric vehicle at some point? Is it going to be an electric Porsche? The Taycan. Yeah. Or would it be an electric F-150, which they're going to be doing? No, it's going to be that Porsche. It's going to be the Porsche, I think Porsche, I'm just right? going to go ahead and... Uh, and put that deposit down if they'll still take them and uh, add myself to the list. There's, there's no question that that will be the first electric car in my state. Yeah. Now, when you look at that car, you can't uh, uh, skip over the Audi because the Audi largely based on the Porsche platform, right? Yeah. I mean, the e-tron, I mean, this is where the big groups, you know, the Audi, Porsche can share a lot of technologies behind the scenes and, and that will make a difference. The other interesting thing was coming. I, I had in the office yesterday the guys from Lotus. Yeah, and Lotus has been you know some wonderful brand equity. We all think of Senna and Jim Clark and all yeah. that sort of thing. And and they are now owned by Geely, which is another Chinese brand which owns uh, Link, but also owns Volvo as well and Polestar, which is Volvo's yeah. new electric luxury brand. So they've added now Lotus to the portfolio. And if you think about that, yeah. Volvo, you know, you've got a, a Chinese startup brand plus Volvo plus plus Polestar plus Lotus. And Lotus, I've got really ambitious plans, and they always have, though. You've heard it all before, right? But but this time, yeah, it's not Proton; it's Geely. But this time, yeah, this time somebody else is paying for it. This time there is there is proper investment, and it's it's exciting. It really is. I guess it'll be interesting to see what what comes from them. I like the idea of of electric cars using electrification for increased performance. You know. Um, maybe not unworldly stuff, not like LaFerrari, P1, McLaren, yeah. but I'm talking like NSX and and things like that. Like, And there's been sort of, for a long time, there's sort of two, there was sort of Chevy Volt, Chevy Bolt, and then, uh, you know, then the supercars. And now it's starting to trickle into, um, you know, like you said, like Tesla and stuff, but... Um, I was uh, I was over here at the Super Bowl party and was talking to um, uh, you know a bunch of the guys and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy's lovely wife Molly and she has a uh, uh, Jimmy rolled up in an S sixty three Mercedes and Molly had a, a, a Model X and um, you know they both loved them for different reasons and she said you know she likes the Tesla likes what it represents loves it's electric she had a couple buggy things with the doors not opening all the way or opening you know this yeah. and that and and uh, and and she said, "What what would you say? What would you recommend?" And I said, "I said this is the year. This year and next year, start to pay attention to where all the car companies we are used to are going to start making a big play. And maybe they've sort of just been kind of gearing up. But you can't you can't look over the fact, like Bill said, like the Porsche and the Audi e-tron, and you know what BMW is going to be doing, and with Ford's going to be doing an F one hundred and fifty. Like these guys have been making cars for a hundred years." 
what's their take going to be on on the all electric car? You know, because we we have these companies that are the startups, the Teslas, the Rivian, the the Byton. You know, okay, but what happens when when companies that have been doing this for a while? And and they they just have things like the after sales network in place, and they have the you know the deals in place, like you said, with the Michelins and the Brembos of the world. You know, um, you know they've got those relationships, so they can focus a little bit more on on the technology and not have to reinvent the wheel per se um, on on the car itself. They can take existing platforms. You can take, for example, a Panamera platform and and start. Making your Taycan or Taycan or whatever it's going to be yeah. called, <laughs> you know, um, and you know, because they, at the very least, companies like Porsche, they have a certain performance benchmark that you know all the Porsches need to reach a certain amount of performance just to be called a Porsche, right? And uh, they have that experience. So my advice was, hey, let's not ignore. The big car companies coming out with with their significant electric vehicles. It, it is. I think this is a really big year for Tesla, mm-hmm. particularly because it reminds me. It's a silly example. It reminds me of you guys heard of TVR in the UK. Yeah, TVR sure. was this fabulous. They made. If you were to drive from like you know, if you gave me a car for a day, you'd take a TVR because they were loud, they were obnoxious, they were fiberglass and everything else. And they suddenly became a really culty following, and they got to about building fifteen hundred cars a year. And then as soon as they hit that threshold, it stopped being guys like us who will accept things going wrong mm-hmm. and became, you know, city guys, that sort of thing, who wanted, who expected it to start and expected nothing to go wrong. And as soon as they hit that threshold, they were talking to people who wouldn't tolerate faults. And then the Boxster came along and everyone was like, oh, I really want a TVR, but yeah. ah, can I trust it? And then will it, you know, when I want to go to the airport, will it start? And so suddenly, you know, everybody bought a Boxster and that was the end of TVR. And and in some ways, you can kind of see that with Tesla. Tesla's at a real tipping point because as soon as Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, all of whom will launch this year in the market, are people going to stick with Tesla? Are there enough fanboys out there to keep saying, I want the Model 3, I want the Model 3 when, you know, there are other great alternatives out there? We're actually doing an interesting piece of work, which we're going to launch shortly, looking at measure, properly measuring EV range and EV efficiency. Now, everybody thinks everybody talks about range, 200 miles, 250 miles. But what we're starting to measure is efficiency, so equivalent of miles per gallon. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting because you suddenly start – as people start to think about what they're paying in electricity, then the efficiency, how much juice you're putting back in your car every night becomes quite significant. And we're doing a big piece of work looking at the true cost of having electric vehicles. Yeah, so I, I think you guys touched on that um, uh, Talk about mainstream car companies. Jaguar's already out there with the iPace, and I think uh, uh, Dan Edmonds was driving the iPace, and he was talking about um, why it was just eating so much power. Basically, it's yeah. just like it, it it met the range requirements. It did what it said it was going to do. It was fast. It was nice. It was comfortable, and it looked like a Jag, and it looked good. But it wasn't as efficient. I think he was saying, and I don't know how you guys are going to break it down. You're going to have to sort of educate us on you are. I mean, on you what you're going to be doing. But you, you basically end up with an MP, with a, it was equivalent of MPG, and not call it MPG because that's that's a bit of a misnomer. Um, but you're right about about the Jag. I mean, you can solve range by just bolting on an ever ever bigger battery, but that adds cost and it adds weight, neither of which is desirable. So what you want is is efficiency. Then we're back into the old world of lightweight and aerodynamics and all the things that go with with making a gas car um, efficient. Yeah. So that that's a really interesting piece of work, and and things are changing so fast. I mean, it is a really exciting time, and 
you know, much as we still enjoy GT500s and everything else. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I was in... <laughs> Twin I, Turbo Hellcats. <laughs> I was at the Detroit Auto Show and, and you know, you looked around. And actually, at C- CES was an interesting one because Ford had a stand there. And Ford's kind of corporate identity recently has been about shipping containers. And you're in the middle of CES, you're surrounded by all this crazy tech, the LG with these crazy screens and everything else. Yeah. And then Ford has got shipping containers and it just looks so old school. Yeah. You know, it just looked like this was like, Time had gone. Yeah. And then you turn me to Detroit and GT500, and we're going to love that car. Of course we are. Um, 700 horsepower, all the rest of it. But it, there is a kind of feeling now that mm, it is a bit, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a time that's passed. Yeah. Well, I saw the GT500 in Scottsdale with Bear Jackson auction, and uh, the time has not passed. That car is <laughs> badass. <laughs> do, you know what really stri- do you know what really worries me about that color? It's really irritating, and it's the same with the um, 911 Touring as well for the Porsche. Yeah is that if you want the track pack version, you want like the full month, they take out the rear seats. And I have a kid on the way, so I, yeah. want, I want the rear seats back. Well, you could, you could just buy the rear seat. Just put it back in. You can't in the Porsche. I don't know whether <laughs> yeah, you can the in the GT. I'm trying to find an answer on the GT500. Anything can be done. Anything can be done. Look, what, I love the GT500 and because it creates – I, it still creates that rivalry. Now we can have – all the great articles and tests of GT500 versus Red Eye and, you know, and we like that stuff. It's fun. For sure. It, you know, it's fun to see that stuff. Um, and it, it, that sort of creative competition is what we love in, in between the companies, you know? Definitely. And we thought it was gone for a number of years and thank God it is not. But, but yeah. how long will it be here? But how do you feel about a GT500 without a stick shift, Bill? Yeah, this thing's going to be a uh, paddle only. Yeah, um, I think that's a. I, I, I think it's the same as the red eye without the stick shift. You know, I, I uh, that, that you know, I'm I'm a not a fan <laughs> by any stretch. I, I want to bang through the gears. Um, it's just a more fun experience, man. And I, I I can't believe that they've let something out like both of those vehicles without the option. Yeah. Wait, so the red eye doesn't have a stick? You can't get it with it a does, stick? It does not. Nope. Oh. You see, everybody's talking about performance, but missing yeah. the point that these things, you know, these things ultimately, yeah, they are about going fast in a straight line, but frankly, you go by a Porsche or something, if, if it's all about track performance, yeah. it's about having fun and an old world experience. Interesting. It'd be interesting what the collector market does as well, because I was thinking this GT500, probably the last with, you know, with a massive, really crazy supercharge and everything else before electrification comes. So actually, is this the one to buy and to wrap up in cotton wool and all the rest of it? But actually, maybe the last one is, you know, the last stick shift GT500. Yeah, yeah which was a fantastic car as well. Yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah, it is going to be kind of interesting. Um, uh, you're right. They have to go after a performance number, but you you do take a little bit of that fun out of it, you know? Like, they could say, oh, we have a you know GT500, and let's say it runs 0 to 60 in three and a half seconds. But if you get the manual transmission, it runs 4.1. I don't care. I don't care. Either. I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, I don't care if it's a half, a half a second slower. I don't care. If we just check out our um, YouTube channel at the moment, we, we, Carlos Lago and the team has just done a comparison at our test track between a – uh, a GT3 with the paddles and a GT3 with, with the stick. And yeah, it's it's a fraction slower. And a lot of that is actually less in the gear change and more launching it off the line. But he it's a great film because he really makes the point of how much more fun he's having. And the difference in performance is so marginal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a good film. Check it out. 
I would imagine that the Porsches, the the difference is going to be f- fractions. But when you when you get into you know to the cars that that Bill and I love, the big heavy muscle cars and stuff, I think it's going to be it will have more of a difference in it um, just because of the car and you know just the lack of traction and and things like that that the computer can kind of really take control over when you get into the paddle shift version of it. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I, it's it's still going to be great. You know, I mean, we're still going to love them. Um, but it it is interesting that. And by the way, I mean the GT five hundred. We we're saying it's a seven speed automatic, but I, I sort of define. You have your your paddle shifted cars. I I just sort of define the automatic as something with a torque converter in it, whereas the GT500 is a dual-clutch seven-speed manual that's paddle-shifted. You know, it's it's, and I believe Tremec, the guys who've been making their transmissions, I've got a six-speed Tremec in mine, in in my in my Cobra that I swapped in. It's a Tremec seven-speed that they've they've developed their first paddle-shifted, you know, seven-speed. So um, my thought is it should be fairly easy to make it a manual if you wanted to make a manual. I'm sure you're going to find one at SEMA or something. Someone's going to make a a manual swap kit for it. But, you know, um, but for the people that want to drag race the GT500, you're right, the paddle shift is going to be the fastest thing out there. Yeah, the problem is all tied to the electronics and everything else these days, so just bolting a manual back into it is not a... Yeah. Not an easy job. Oh, it'll be done. It'll be done. It'll now. be done. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Detroit Auto Show as well. But first, I'm going to tell you guys some more about Zyco. You know, there's a lot of engines out there, and they place the hot components real close to the air intakes. You get manifold and exhausted right by the intake, by plug wires, by the carburetors, um, uh, you know, uh, brake lines, power steering lines. And uh, it creates all this heat, and heat is the enemy of speed. It robs horsepower. Before, your only options were wraps, tapes, and ceramics. Now there's Zybar, a DIY high-temp coating that reduces radiant heat by 90%. This is a resin-based polymer formula that withstands temperatures far in excess of what the engine environment, environment can create. And it costs about a third of what ceramic coating would cost. A single application of a Zybar to your manifold, exhaust system, or headers will control heat, resulting in higher horsepower and torque. CarCast listeners can receive 15% discount plus free shipping on all orders. Just enter the promo code CarCast when you purchase at Zycoat.com. That's Z-Y-C-O-A-T.com. Use promo code CarCast. Get 15% discount plus free shipping. So good. Check that out. All right. Detroit Auto Show. Um, we talked about the GT500. We In previous episodes, we talked about the Supra. And, uh, you know, our feeling on the Supra is uh, people don't necessarily love the looks. We we hope it represents the old car. Before we spend a bunch of time on the Supra, um, we just need we need we need to drive. <clears throat> we need we need to drive that car and find out. And I'm sure you guys are going to get it before we do. So yeah, we'll um, get into that pretty quickly. I mean, if you think about what's underneath it, it's a BMW Z4, which is you know it's not a bad place to start. Um, 335 horsepower a lot of people have said that's not enough and you know it's a $50,000 car and you look what else you can buy out there with more horsepower I mean I'm I had a bit of belief it's not all about horsepower and they think this mm-hmm. 335 is, is probably enough in that size of car if you've, if you've got it really handling and really working for you it's a uh, 
It's a tricky one for them because you're right. The reaction to the way that it looks has been pretty universally negative. But, I mean, I saw the car at Bear Jackson. and there was a few things I liked. There was a few things that I didn't like. Um, I thought the back looked pretty good. The sort of side vent that it has going on, when I got up on it, I realized it's fake and it's got some fake honeycomb grill blocked out. That's, that's bullshit to me. I don't like the fake grill stuff. And that's coming from a Mustang guy, <laughs> right? Um you know, but they put a lot of attention into a you know into a fifty fifty weight distribution, and uh, the, the, it's a straight six, right? Turbo straight six. Yeah, it's the BMW engine. Yeah, you know, which is a fantastic engine, and the fact that you're you're with a turbo again, like the old Supra, um, it seems very easy at this point to probably start getting into that engine and upgrading turbos and adding boost, and you know, so I'm I'm sure. I'm sure you're a tune away just, you know, from another 30, 40 horsepower, you know, and that's it. You're probably a, you know, a, a cold air intake and a and a tune away from. And from, I think Toyota themselves will do that. There'll be a TRD, TRD version, I'm sure, yeah. in, in due course. And, you know, it's an obvious way. We'll, we'll, we'll do a triple test. I mean, probably have the Cayman in there. Some, it's interesting, that market, because also things like the, M, the, the latest M2, the BMW come into it. So it's not just a Z4. You're also, you know, little those little coupes yeah. and things like that. So coupes, I should say. But. Now, is the Supra not going to have a manual as well? Uh, no, that's not going to have a manual, I believe. Yeah. So yes, yeah, no manual. Correct. Yes, no <laughs> manual. Double negative. But yes, <laughs> yeah. No manual. What did you just say? I don't know. <laughs> no manual in a Supra, Bill. Come on. Unreal. Right. It's- there will be a new. There will be a manual version of. We just driven the new uh, 911, the 992 as well, and and at the moment that's just a Carrera S with the paddles. But there is a manual version coming of that. Yeah, there will be a manual GT3, and, and it's it serves a niche, doesn't it? But it's a it's a diminishing niche. Look, now I get what Porsche did. Right, they said here's the new car. Everything is a little bit better, a little tighter, a little faster because. They released it with the PDK transmission or whatever the, the new version is. If they released it with a manual, they would say, well, it's not as fast as, as the other car. So they had to go with the fast version now, and then they can do the enthusiast version. Um, but, yeah, with this new Porsche platform, I am looking forward to new turbo. Uh, everything's turbo, Everything. but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, turbo <laughs> yeah. with a capital T. Yeah, yeah, turbo with a capital T. Um, and, uh, and GTS. Uh, you GTS know. is normally the one. It normally comes a couple of years later, but it's yeah. normally the one to That's to, the to one to for. get, right? Because yeah. usually you're getting like a lot of the cool turbo options. You get some cool, you know, Alcantara bits in, on the inside. And and the, the previous gen, you got the... You got the center lock wheels, so the turbo didn't have center lock wheels, but the turbo S did. Now you have to spend one hundred eighty thousand dollars to get center locks, or you get a GTS and it has the center lock. So you're right; it's the bang for the buck. But I've always thought it always has been the bang for the buck in the Porsche lineup. You even think of of the Cayenne, yeah, you know what was first the, gen Cayenne the, GTS and the Macan as well. Yeah. GTS yeah. is fabulous, but they also as a as an investment, I was looking at nine nine seven, which is the Previous last full generation, yeah, uh, 911 before the 991, and then now we're on to 992. And yeah, GTS hold their value really well because if you're starting to go from being an old car to a collector car, like a late model yeah, 997 yeah, yeah. GTS is 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 worth a lot more than just an S. So now, now all the Porsches are turbo, but the naming convention is you know Carrera. You have an S, 4S, and you'll have a turbo. Yeah. which is the more power version, but that's just because they've always done that. Are we going to get a Taycan, a Taycan Turbo? Yes. 
We are. We are. We're going to yes. get a take we in turbo. We are absolutely going to get a which take in turbo. It's not going to have like a turbo. Five levels of them, I think. Yeah, right? It's just going to be the longer, yeah, more the, powerful like, range, longer range, more powerful, you know, like the Tesla P100D or whatever. We're going to yeah. have the take in turbo. Yeah. Like which would be interesting. Um, I'd love to see somebody do uh, uh, – because there's there's no real changing gears in the electric car, you know, but a manual – Gear changing electric car could be. You'd have to fake it up, wouldn't you? It'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's this uh, company that does an electric conversion on C7 Corvettes. We saw them up at um, at uh, Gordon McCall's uh, deal up in Monterey. And I mean, they take a $70,000 Corvette and they turn it into a $450,000 <laughs> Corvette. But it's an electric motor in the front where the conventional engine goes and it mates up to the seven speed manual transmission and you do shift gears. Cheers. And I don't know That'd how be interesting. And I'm curious how to drive it. I'm, I mean, I know it's a beefy drive line because we can make a thousand horsepower with these things. Our buddy Ken Lingenfelter can make a thousand horsepower with these things. But you got to think about the wear and tear on that drive line with that amount of torque. And if you can shift that thing hard enough, well, what, that, it, what that, does it do? Well, that might also talk about why the GT500 hasn't got a stick as well. That they're worried about not not they worry about how people drive it as well and not the warranty yeah. and everything else. They, could, that they could just break shit. Yeah, I mean it's interesting how they're skimming. Like I was looking at Car Week last year about electric E-Type as well, which looked yeah. really cool. But you know, again, crazy money. Yeah. So there's going to be a Taycan Turbo. It won't really be a turbo, but it'll be, you know, the name of the fast version of it. Yeah. Is it Taycan? Taycan. Taycan Turbo. Taken okay. with a Taycan. <laughs> It's so weird. I don't. I just I don't call know. it a Mission E and get on with I, it. Uh, Mission E worked for it me. Was such a good name. It was, yeah. I was talking to the, yeah. I talked talk to some Porsche people at Porsche, and they tend to agree, but we'll never say so publicly. Like, who makes the decisions anyway? All right, let's get into some. Uh, let's get let's get into some uh, uh, Detroit Auto show, show stuff. What's going on there? Well, it was an interesting show. It was the last one ever to be in January. Uh, next year, <laughs> for good it, reason. Next year, it moves to June. Yeah, the last last one getting because <laughs> they want cold. people to show up. Other and it, than the press, it was kind of sad. You know, there was no. I mean, I've been going to that when I, you know, when I'm still based in the UK. I was going every year, and this year, no European press. You really got a sense of it had this real end of the century feeling about it. Uh, you know, Mercedes. Why do you think that happened? I read about that. Why do you think it happened? It, the biggest thing, Bill, is it's just so expensive to do auto shows. It's it's crazy. It 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 costs. You know. I think at the last Frankfurt Auto Show, Audi or the one before Audi spent like two hundred million euros or something insane. So it's it's horrifically expensive to do. I mean, Ford can drop a million dollars on a press conference alone, and that's a fifteen-minute yeah. press conference. So what what you're seeing now is in the world of Instagram and and digitally. You know, you can talk to an audience so much easier directly, and if you spend a couple of million dollars on Instagram, you probably get more results than than a than a press conference at uh, at Detroit. And it's it's a bit of a shame. So I mean. Did, Auto shows have always worked for two reasons. One, the media coverage, and secondly, just having, you know, hundreds of thousands of consumers go through it. But they both need to work together. And, and unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of manufacturers now are saying they can just spend the money better elsewhere. So Detroit is trying to reinvent itself, launch in June, and do more kind of experiential stuff. So instead of just having static vehicles, you'll be able to, you know, do little drivey events and all that sort of thing around it because June makes it easier. But it's also in terms of Detroit, it's a market thing. So if you're a, if you're a luxury brand, I think the luxury market in Michigan is like one point two percent. So if you're Mercedes or Audi or any of those guys, why would you pay all those millions of dollars to be in Detroit? You're better off being in New York or LA. So I don't think auto shows are dead. 
It's just that Detroit will have to kind of reimagine itself. And I personally feeling, I think they've got one or two years to pull it off. If not, it's going to be quite a regional show, which is a real shame yeah. because it was the iconic start to the year. Well, I mean, <clears throat> what's interesting, though, the is... The downfall of the car culture, it, again. I, I mean, at least the the car, the traditional car show. I mean, Ferrari hasn't shown up at the LA Auto Show in years, and this is a huge market for them. Yeah, and they do Geneva, and yeah. uh, um, but even Geneva, there's no Ford, there's no Jaguar Land. And Geneva, in, I mean, Europe has two big shows: Geneva in March, and then either Frankfurt and Paris alternate in October. And you know, I went to Paris last year; that was down. It's you know, it's it's change, it's changing times. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, there has to be something good over that show. Uh, there was some, yeah, there was some interesting, interesting stuff. I mean, obviously the 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 Supra launched there. We saw some heavy duty trucks. The the Ram uh, the Ram heavy duty with a thousand Ooh, thousand, thousand pound, pound feet of torque. <laughs> it tows like thirty five thousand pounds. And we've just had Dan Edmonds actually literally o- overnight on a on the Chevy Silverado heavy duty. Yeah, and that is now claiming we can tow an extra like five hundred pounds, and it's got a it's got a bit more. So. It's obvious that they've heard that in Detroit, and they go oh, turn the boost up, or you know, yeah, twiddle with the it. transmission, or do something just to yeah. just to, to for one upmanship. So, you know, truck market continues to be huge. It's huge for huge for us at Edmonds. That's you know that was exciting back into some of the real world. Cadillac had an XT6, which is a, a big three row SUV. I'm not sure where Caddy is at the moment. That's pretty. Dis- that was pretty disappointing. It just looked like a you know slightly tarted up Chevy. To be honest, it's uh, yeah. Um, Lexus had a couple of tuna cars. Is, is Cadillac selling? Is Lincoln selling? I feel like Lincoln is up their game. I don't know if it's translating to sales, but you look at the new Lincolns, you look at the Cadillacs, and I got to tell you, the Lincolns are kicking yeah, the, the shit out of Cadillac as far as styling and luxury appointments. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Lincoln have just suddenly set on who and what they are. The Navigator is is a great vehicle if you've got a big family and yeah it's a $70,000 plus vehicle but it but it works it's a, it's what a kind of feel like what yeah. an american luxury brand should be aviator look good you know cadillac they just fired their ceo they've moved from new york back to detroit and you know that yeah when you look at lincoln so they're going after it i feel like cadillac and lincoln both have like one last hurrah in them like if they don't yeah. pull it off with these new cars i don't know where they're going to go I, what I think is interesting, guys, is you look at a list of the top ten least selling cars mm-hmm. over the I think it was last year, and uh, Corvettes on there. They they sold eighteen thousand units in two thousand eighteen, and then I know Lincoln's on there. The Na- I don't know if it's a Navigator or that four door car, but uh, those yeah. are pretty astonishing numbers. And there are a couple cars on that list that are going to floor both of you guys. I mean. Obviously, you'll probably know, but there, there's a couple out there that are that are pretty amazing, and that uh, that Corvette was one of them. I mean, did, did you guys think that would be one of the top ten least sold cars last year? It's an interesting it's an interesting market. To some extent, you can you can skew the market by you know how much incentives you give and what price you want to mm-hmm. to sell at and everything else. But 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 you're right. And then you look at the truck market and still. You know, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand units a year, and it's it's yeah, it's huge numbers. I mean, when we look at the traffic to our site, which is always a great barometer of where you know who's buying what, everything is SUVs. That kind of mid-sized compact SUV is just huge. That's what people want. That's what people. Are, that's but what I people remember buy. you in studio a year ago, and we were talking about SUVs might be you know the 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 big ones. Uh, no, actually, we were talking about the fact that they were on their way back in. 
because we thought with the onset of the electric cars that, you know, they were weeding out the SUV, uh, you know, don't, don't be driving the big gas guzzler cars. And uh, now, Jesus Christ! I mean, look how many of them are still on the road. Well, interesting. Ford's Ford's Ford's, can't can't speak today. Ford's (laughs) first electric vehicle, uh, which is supposed to take a bit of inspiration from the Mustang, and some of us thought would be a coupe, is going to be an SUV. So, you know, it's not we're bringing electrification, we're bringing autonomy, and that sort of thing. But but still, the love affair with the SUV will will continue. Well, first of all, I think it makes I think it makes sense for. For Ford to get into the the crossover, you know, the the small SUV, the compact SUV, and the SUV market with electrification, because it's expensive to do that, and you need volume. And you're right, like to do a Corvette and sell eighteen, twenty thousand a year with an electric motor doesn't make any sense. You're never going to make any money. But if you can sell three hundred and fifty thousand, you know, uh, SUVs with some electrification, you know, great and. If at the end of the day, like we had this long conversation with Lincoln um, a while back, and we had the Lincoln guy call in and talk about the technology, and he's like, yeah, we got a new Lincoln Aviator. It's a three-row, gorgeous, uh, and he's like, yeah, it's 400 horsepower with the Turbo V6 or 450 horsepower with the Turbo V6 and the electric motors. And I was like, okay. And uh, and we're like, well, let's break it down. How more? the fuel efficiency of it. And he goes, well, the hybrid version gets a smaller fuel tank so we can put a battery in there, right? And I was like, okay. And he goes, but then the range overall will be about the same as the gas engine was. So you either get a big fuel tank and go 400 miles or you get the little fuel tank with the battery and you go 400 miles on a tank of gas plus the charge. And he goes, it just depends on what you want to do. Now, the big, the big difference to me, the selling point was is the hybrid Lincoln version does get that performance boost. And again, I like electrification for for performance as well. If you can get a more fuel-efficient SUV like the Aviator hybrid, but then also when you want to put your foot into it, you get an extra – you know, 50 horsepower and like 200 pound-feet of torque. And instantly. And instantly, uh, yeah, then – then I think that thing's going to be cool. I agree with you. And it's also about – build at CES, I hosted a panel looking at the future of all this, rideables and car sharing and everything else. And on it, there was somebody from Lime, you know, the little scooter companies and Lyft yeah. and everything else. And it was a really interesting discussion. One of the points was about, oh, you know, Ford has stopped selling cars and all. Now it's about these giant SUVs and they're not, they're, you know, they're not as safe for pedestrians and the guzzle fuel and all this sort of thing. It's like, well, that's, it's fine. But if people aren't buying sedans, if, you know, you can't build – you can't build cars that people yeah. don't want to buy, um, and this is what's driving you know what's driving the market. And it's still a challenge with electric vehicles, but you know we're get, we're getting there. And it's it's as you say, I think the the Taycan will be interesting. We've seen some cool stuff from Tesla, the iPace. I personally like it's it's you know it's an interesting time, and these things are fun to drive, even if you you miss the um, yeah. miss the growl. Um, Turning the page a little bit, all the news that came out recently is uh, bringing back a Chevy Blazer. I think it's fantastic they bring back that name, um, but uh, but does the vehicle hold up to that name? Well, I actually drove it drove it last week, and we've just done a big test on it, and you can check that out on our our site at the moment. But uh, for me, it's a disappointment. I think the, the the idea of this, and a bit like the Honda Passport as well, is that something a bit more a bit more masculine, a bit more alpha of an SUV. So you already 
you already have the Equinox, but what you wanted to do was something that, that took it in a slightly different direction. And it almost felt like they were trying to do the uh, the coupe for a guy who now needs an, S- an SUV. So how do you, you know, you take the Camaro and apply it to an SUV. And I thought that could be that could be kind of fun. But having driven it, it's almost like they bottled it. It just feels pretty generic. Uh, the interior has hints has, has hints of the the Camaro about it, but but not enough. It doesn't feel particularly sporty to drive. It's not a kind of thirty thousand dollar Porsche Macan. Um, I just thought it was a bit dull, um, and that was a that was a shame. I think anybody thinking it'll be interesting to see what Ford does with the Bronco when they bring that back. But anybody thinking that Chevy was going to go and produce something really characterful and different and, and try and grab a different sector of the market, um, if that was the intention, I don't think they've nailed it. Right, so it's not really standing out. I mean, could there be? Could they do a, a, a Chevy Blazer SS or some kind of hotter version? Is, is the platform there? Well, they've got an RS which looks a bit more, a uh, bit more aggressive, and and that wasn't the one I drove. But I'm not sure the hardware is there, and I'm not sure the will is there. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, yes. do you think it's counterproductive for these companies to bring back, you know, their namesake, the Blazer, the the Bronco, and <laughs> And uh, just completely uh, bastardize it. Don't you think they should have renamed it? I think it depends. And not what... pissed off all the people that were thinking that they were getting a taste of the old. I think it's all about the execution, Bill. I think when we see the Bronco, I suspect that the Bronco will be much more charming and will be much more kind of retro in feel and feel and interesting. And I think we're seeing that with things like the Volkswagen Microbus as well, which might come back as an electric bus, but. We'll take a lot of the character. The original Mini did a pretty good job. So I think it's, I think it's all about the execution. And the yeah. problem I think is when you, when you make a promise that you don't deliver on, that's where it falls apart. Right from a marketing yeah, perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the final product look like looks like from Ford with that Bronco. Right from from a marketing and a PR perspective, there is definite value in brand equity, like bringing back a Ford Taurus if it didn't suck and bringing back well, no, a Blazer it did, but, if it didn't but, suck. But like Alistair said with the Blazer, I mean, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold a candle to what it was in the past. So why call it a Blazer and piss all the people off that are thinking that that Blazer is coming back? It is. Maybe they added the Blazer name after the fact. It was the Chevy Phaser, and they're like, no one's going to buy this thing. It's not that good, and the name is dumb. Like, let's at least call it a Blazer and see if we can sell 10% more. I mean, the big one that will be launched this year is the Land Rover Defender. Yeah, you know, that, that is a that is a a tough that is a tough ask, and and also they're launching a, a massive SUV, you know, massive off roader into a market which is changing fast. So it's uh, that'll be an interesting one. I'm all in on a Land Rover Defender. If everything's analog, there's not one electric yeah. piece on that thing. But you know, it's not <laughs> going to be it's under a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I think neither of those things will be true. <laughs> no, those things are going to be true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll write um, it off uh, simultaneously. Well, yeah, right. Um, uh, speaking of though, as much as I still love the Range Rovers, I love the look of those things, and and I love all the fast, hot versions, the ridiculous trucks they make. You know, the Range Rover Sport SVR, and uh, Alistair and I were talking today. The news that came out as we're recording this is the uh, the Land Rover Velar SV autobiography. Yeah. Does okay, that sound boys. right? Sorry, sorry. I, gotta, I just got the knock. All right. We're I'm wrapping up here chat. anyway. Thanks, Bill. We'll talk to you later. Cheers, Bill. You got it, gentlemen. Love you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. It sounded like he was making a sandwich the whole time. I just like the idea of him sitting in his trailer. It's so Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah. He was shuffling around the whole time. I'm calling from my trailer. Yeah.
Uh, you're right. It's so Hollywood. <laughs> uh, love Bell. I'm glad he was able to call in. He was nervous uh, when I talked to him yesterday. He's like, I'm on the set. I don't know if I can do it. Let me see if I can do it. And I texted him. He's like, call. Let's do it. Um, but uh, glad he called in. Sorry he was uh, trying to get work done while he's doing it. You can hear him shuffling around. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably having a protein shake or yeah. something. Maybe lifting weights. <laughs> you know, got to get got to get your pump on for the next scene if you're going to kill somebody. Um <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Land Rover Velar SV autobiography. I like the Velar. I think it's a good LA sized yeah. SUV. Yeah. And the multiple screens are cool if everything works. Um, it's got a real kind of fresh, sleek look to it. Uh, when I drove it, I drove one that was like a launch edition or first edition. It was like 90 grand. It was yeah. like, it's a little rough, 90 grand. And uh, I wanted a little more pep, so they came out with this one, which is 550 horsepower. Uh, so I think they've got the F, F-Pace SVR coming out. Uh, yes, F-Pace SVR, which yeah, will be about Yeah, they've been grand. showing it, and they haven't Yeah, which is the same, done it yet. same uh, engine. And then this, I think they've, they've really layered on the – because what they never the want to do is kind of make the two compete. So they're going to layer on the luxury, but you still get the power. But it will be it'll be 100 grand processors. But they're not giving a price, which is a bit indic- – you know, it's a bit, yeah, of, a, a bit yeah, of a telltale yeah. sign. So this is going to be probably north of 100 grand, and it's, it's a load of money. And I don't know if you saw the news this week that Range Rover were going to – SVR were going to build the Range Rover Coupe, which was going to be about a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, but they're not going to do that now. And now they've cancelled it. So they've blown a load of money. I mean, JLR, yeah. unfortunately, in the UK is, is laying off a lot of people and cutting costs. And you know they've been hit by a triple whammy of Chinese market is, is diminishing. Mm-hmm. Diesel across the world – I mean, there's never big here, but in, in Europe it was huge – they were completely wedded to diesel. That's diminishing. Then there's all the uncertainty around Brexit in the UK and everything else. So it's a kind of triple whammy, and and they're in a they're in a tough place right now. I mean, they, I'm off to Chicago tomorrow for the auto show where they're going to launch the um, Evoke in the US, which they launched yeah. on Thanksgiving in the UK, which is a really great PR move. <laughs> all right, love it. Well, geez, that sounds like a terrible cold trip. Uh, speaking <laughs> of cold, let me guys tell you about. Uh, some Dodge stuff. Again, snow or ice, rain or shine, we've got that here. Dodge's all-wheel drive lineup is ready for anything the winter throws at you. Join the Brotherhood of Muscle at Dodge's President's Day President's Day event and get a great deal on your winter-ready Dodge. I feel like that's what Bill needed. Was You are the king of the Segway. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, all right. We're going to wrap things up. You've got a meeting to go to. And, uh, Just for a change. And uh, there you go. Um, Bill's going to go beat people up on NCS. NCIS Los Angeles. Look forward to that. We'll give you guys some uh, some updates on when that's going to air. Of course, uh, you can follow Alistair Weaver. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter. He's Weaver Alistair on Instagram. Go to Edmunds.com. Everything we talk about here is pretty much up on that site. And you go to Edmunds.com slash road noise, I think, and it's good. Uh, For all your latest editorial, yeah. That gives a roundup of all the latest news and everything everything we're talking about. Great recap stuff. Bunch of fun videos and stuff up there. And are we going to see a, a, a video or a test right up on the Blazer? Uh, the Blazer's up already. So head to Edmunds.com slash road noise or check out our YouTube channel as well. You can see it uh you can see it there. So there's the full written review and the, the video to accompany it as well. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, of course, you guys can follow Goldberg. You know where he is. He's Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter. He's Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. 
Definitely follow the Instagram stuff. All the cool car stuff is up there. You can follow me at Motorator. I'm on all the social medias. And uh, CarCast Show. We got all kinds of good stuff up there. If you like the show and it's good, you guys, you're getting into it. We're, we're starting to get our groove, right? Yeah. Then it's go to year, iTunes. Give us a nice little review. We love that. Tell a friend. We'll grow the show. All right, guys. We're uh, we're good. We're wrapping up here for uh, for Chris. Hey, Chris. <laughs> hey, guys. Also, uh uh, we have a car show coming up March 10th. Bring your rides over to the Peterson Museum. Just go to adamcrolla.com to uh, get more info on that. Yeah, it's a 10th anniversary of the Adam Carolla Show, but they keep forgetting in the notes. 10th anniversary of CarCast. 10 years, CarCast. We're doing a huge car show. I want every car on the planet to be there uh, because the Peterson is huge, and if we got 30 cars, it's going to look empty. So I want 1,000 cars, 1,500 cars. Yeah, I think Leno's only bringing one. So Yeah, we have oh, so... Uh, Leno's going to be there. He's bringing a car. Our buddy Mike Brewer from Wheeler Dealers is bringing a car. I, and did, a, I did a TV show with Mike about 10 years ago. Did in the you? UK. Well, he's yeah. going to be there. You should go there. You should bring a car. You should come to the event. I'll be there. Uh, Adam and I are going to judge some cars. We're going to do a People's Choice Award. We're going to give out some trophies. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything yet, but I'm pretty sure our buddy Michael Anthony from Van Halen, he's going to be there. He's going to bring a car. We're just uh, talking to him about that right now. And um, we're going to just get more people to go. It'll be fun. Go to adamcrolla.com. Of course, the peterson.org has it on their event page as well. All right, guys. Thank you. Until next time, uh, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on carcastshow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com. Carcast Show.